hello, hello, and welcome to What Did You Do? I am Dee, and I am very black. Hi, Dee, and I'm glad that you're very black. I also am very, very, very black. And I'm <laughs> Dee messed up the first intro, I have to say that. Yeah, it sounded like she forgot the name of the show. No, I was about to say my real name. Oh, I know, but I know you said, you like took a breath before What Did You Do? And then you said, hi, I'm... I, I look. I was just breathing, y'all. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. But um, I just want to mention I'm black because people apparently still don't know that. I'm trying not to laugh when I say that. Well, apparently they do now because we've shifted cover art. Yay, changes. Yay. Um, just wanted something new. One, I think that we just kind of needed to get away from the like spooky vibe that right. we kind of had. I know that people that, would... that didn't even make sense. It didn't, yeah. It was cool to look at. I love yeah. the, the logo. But it wasn't a horror, the, the like, mo- like, right. like, horror podcast. Like. No, it wasn't definitely, like, it needed something, we needed something that reflected personality and tone of show, mm-hmm. right? So, I think it does that. I'm, I'm happy about it. All right, do yep. you have anything else to say? I didn't know if, like... I feel like we're about to get into some deep cases this, these next two episodes, so I'm just, like mentally preparing myself because it's a lot right so one of the things that i would like to say um before we do all our housekeeping and all that fun stuff and jump into this week's episode um is that we have decided i know i said it on the crew but if you're not on the crew you missed it um that the next case is going to be the heart family case um one thing that irritates me is like when i first googled it because i've i've been like in proximity to the case i've heard a lot about it but i haven't done my own research and this is the first time i hit google and like the wikipedia article says heart family incident and i'm like it's, it's <laughs> multiple murder incident. like that's not an incident however i think that both d and i are uniquely uh equipped with education and experience uh to talk to some parts of this case uh and not have it not be so sanitized yeah. Um. Like from professional, but also prefer, uh, personal experiences. So it's going to be interesting. And just listening to the Glamour Mag podcast, Broken Hearts, like triggered, like whoa, I've been so sad the last two days. <laughs> so I was like, because there's, there's just so much of of myself that I see in the stories that are being told. I and was listening to the my uh, my who? favorite murder. I went looking for that. I didn't see that. Maybe it was maybe, absolutely recent. I believe. I I tried. I for it when you said um, it. And but, yeah, it was, it's a lot. But we are, we're going to cover that. So in two weeks, that'll be that. We won't need 10 episodes. We'll only need two. Well, systems are broken oh. and people are terrible, which isn't new when we're talking mm-hmm. about what did you do. Right. Um, we're going to go into our housekeeping. Housekeeping. Um, yeah, I know. I love housekeeping. I know. Totally appreciate you guys. I know it sounds like I am very like monotone today, and it's only because my spare bedroom is very uh, dusty, and so now it's all in my throat. It is not coronavirus. I feel like I'm very worried. monotone because of these cases hurt my heart, so it's fine. I mean, there's also that, but like I'm having trouble, <laughs> is what right. I'm saying. Um, so shout out to Amy Fletcher. Amy. I was going to say, usually there's a D. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a D. <laughs> um, shout out to Carrie Mockler. Hey, Carrie. I'm putting everyone's government out there every episode, so don't Facebook these people, please. Um, and shout out to Latrice. She's got two last names. Hyphenation. I love it. Like Beyonce. Uh, Latrice Alexander Howard. 
Hey, Latrice. Shout out to you guys. Um, pray for the postal service, but your stickers are on the way. And <laughs> <laughs> there's just a lot of drama going on over there, but that's not this type of podcast. Nope. So this episode, we are covering something um, that a lot of folks have labeled an epidemic only like because when you think about, real, I can't talk about it. Uh, in relation to population versus deaths, it is something that should be uh, acknowledged. Um, mm-hmm. So what we are talking about today um, is the deaths of or killings of trans folks um, or gender nonconforming folks. Uh, yes. So a little background. Um, I believe it was 2015. There were 14 uh, trans or gender nonconforming people who were who were killed or uh, vi- had violent deaths. Um, 2015, I think it was 16, but in 2019, uh, the most conservative counting a minimum of 27 deaths of trans and gender nonconforming people, uh, due to fatal violence, majority of them being black transgender women. Um, and here we are today in the first few days of August, and there are already at least 25 deaths of that, those same folks, types of folks. Um, I mean, there's an issue with like having highly accurate numbers only because, a lot of killings do go underreported, but there's also misreporting. So if you have folks who are misgendering people, um, it's really hard to know who identifies as what if their trans identity um, is being really, uh, erased. Right. So before we go forward, there are a few things I do want to clear up. Uh, one of them is definitions. So if you hate folks for being decent, oh, it's too PC, whatever, move on from the show forever. Like, it's just not for you. <laughs> Right. But it's, it's like this is this is not the right one. Uh, but it's important to know what we're talking about thing uh, when we talk about things. Um, so as far as transgender goes, uh, that's an umbrella term, and it's for people whose gender identity is different from the sex assigned to them at birth. Um, when you're born, the doctor says, "Hey, it's a male or a female," or colloquially, "It's a boy, it's a girl." You know, if you didn't already know, um, and if your gender identity falls outside of whatever is on your birth certificate, then it could be you could be said to be transgendered and it doesn't matter where you are in your transition some people medically transition which is like hormones surgery um things like that some people socially transition uh which is changing your name the way you dress your hairstyles those types of things some people do both all of those folks will fall under the same umbrella term it doesn't you're not any lesser anymore right. all right putting that out there next word gender nonconforming I know it seems like a big word, but it's real it's real simple. It's just like you, your gender expression is outside of what people think to be the norms. You don't look or act based on what they believe you to be, right? So you might not identify as transgender. You might be a man who identifies, or a cis man who identifies as a male uh, and still wear, you know, things that are attributed to women, like dresses and things like that. That's gender nonconforming. Uh, misgendering, which is something I said when I was explaining the numbers is using pronouns or words that aren't or don't reflect the gender identity of someone that you're referring to. Uh, dead naming is something that I'll end up saying later. It's something similar. And all that is, is using a person's uh, given name or birth name uh, that they no longer answer to instead of their preferred name that they use now. Mm-hmm. Both of those things are disrespectful, intentionally hurtful. Don't do them. Don't be those people be better. Um, I got that out of the way. That's all I wanted to do. Um, so that way, as we talk through these things, people aren't as confused or have their own ideas of what those things are in their head and then, you know, right. find out later that they're wrong. So now, you know, 
Um, and so we are going to start this case off. Uh, D suggested this only because it's important. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'll be a little bit more candid. Um, I saw I was watching Pose, and I feel like we tend to consume entertainment without understanding the backstories, and we're entertained, and we're watching, and we're feeling all the emotions, but we don't know enough. And uh, I was watching Pose, and I was like, I need to know more. Um, I need to be better. Um, so I went into the deep dive, and um, these cases started to come to light while I was in my deep dive and I was like, we need to cover this because no one is covering these cases and we hear about them when there's like a couple of them that happened in the same time and then we don't hear about them anymore. So that was the reason why I wanted to touch this subject. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so we are, we are covering four uh, cases in one episode. It's unfortunately unfortunate that we have four stories that we could fit in one episode because most of these stories are so short because they're left, you know, unsolved. Um, there's no ending to them. And they're just stories we hear in a flash and then no one cares about them anymore. Well, D, you can lead us into the first. Yep, and here's my intro for this case. <laughs> you guys know I hate a, a, a child story, a child victim. Um, so that being said, I'm going to pick a child victim. Um but this was, I guess, one of the more bigger stories, but I, you know, wasn't paying attention and I'm, I fault myself. And so I don't know about this case as well, but I am going to talk about the murder of Letitia King, AKA Larry. That was the birth name, Larry. Um, but at time of death, um, and they wanted to be called Letitia. And, you know, I have a little bit of issues with the pronoun here because he was so early on, um, in his, trying to figure out himself he definitely came out as gay or they came out as gay um but had just started mentioning transitioning to his adopted mother and you know then was murdered and we know what happens because we just said these people were murdered but Letitia King was born on January 13 in Ventura California his mother was 15 at the time of um the uh their birth uh sorry guys (laughs) this is gonna i have written when i wrote this down it's so funny i i start out with his but then i just and then i was like her it's a her like so it's gonna trip me up because i feel like honestly to honor her would be call her her because that's what she wanted so their mother was uh 15 at the time of their birth um their mother was addicted to crack cocaine, alcohol, and to support them, she basically turned to prostitution. Um, the father was not around. Um, so, I mean, I think it's also to support them and also to support her addiction, um, she turned to prostitution. Letitia was adopted by George and Don King. Um, by two years old. Uh, I'm not sure if they were related to um, their mother or not. I have no clue. Um, But needless to say, um, they were adopted along with their um, brother was adopted by Don and Larry. Um, Early on, there was trouble with um, Letitia um, behaviorally. So there was an early diagnosis of ADHD. Um, it was said that they would take like a screwdriver, poke holes in the wall. Um, 
if George and Don took uh, Letitia to the store, um, they would always steal something from the store. So there was a lot of behavioral stuff early on. And that could be just because early on in the childhood, um, you know, Letitia's mother was a prostitute. 15. I'm not sure what the care was in early childhood, but it definitely informs what happens later on in their life. So like I said, there's a ADHD diagnosis and they were also diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder. Um, it's a rare disorder and it happens during infant or younger childhood where there's not enough. Well, the basic needs aren't basically being met. Um, so, you know, the hugging, the the care, the warmth, food, anything. So there's kind of like a detachment to ter- caregivers. Um, some of the symptoms are withdrawal, sadness. They don't seek comfort when they're upset. Um, there's a failure to smile because, you know, children learn how to smile from their parents. Like you smile at babies and they start to mimic that. So if you're lacking that, you're not going to have that. Um, so that were some of it. And there, there's like issues with also, as they get older, social interactions. So social interactions are definitely difficult for people who have reactive attachment disorder. And you'll see that as we go on in the story. But anyways, um, there was, so basically by third grade, um, there were rumors starting to go around about um, Letitia because they were kind of feminine, okay? At this point, she wasn't Letitia. She was still Lawrence. Um, he was, uh, she was identified or they were identified as a man. So these rumors in third grade, the kids are starting to pick on them a little bit. Um, and by 10 years old, and I mean... I guess he was kind of aware for his age because by 10, I don't know how you could speak to this, but by 10, he identified as gay. So his friend asked him, uh, them if they, he was gay and he said, yes. And I'm going to, like you said, have issues with the pronouns. (laughs) Um, so, and it was yes without hesitation. So at 10 years old, but you can, you, if you ask a lot of queer folks, when did they know that, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't, they were attracted to people of the same sex or were attracted to people of all genders or whatever terms you want to use? Mm-hmm. Um, they are different sex and gender, but you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Um, they, a lot of people will say, like, I knew very early on. They just didn't right. have the language. Like, when I was growing up, this is 2000, well, what was it? He said it was 10, right? So, this was 2003. So, 2003. Well, well, that's well, when he died. Yeah. But, I grew up in the 90s. Uh, we didn't have language for everything that we felt or vocabulary. And right. it wasn't readily available on television right. and all that stuff to be able to like, oh, that feels like me. Uh, but you would, most people would say like, I knew I was special. I knew something was different. Um, I really wanted to be certain folks' friends and didn't really care much for other folks. And so that's, it's like there's ways that you know something is up. Mm-hmm. And it isn't until like you start getting older and realizing it, and people start using terms like, "Oh, that's gay," and you're like, "Well, what does that mean?" And you're like, "Oh, that makes sense." <laughs> so it's uh, it can happen very young. I had a uh, I knew a foster uh, one of the foster youth who had come out to his uh, his bio mom at like five, right? 
And that right. was what eight years ago. Still yeah, very, no, still very gay. I know gay. people who <laughs> came out at like six, so I know it's possible. But definitely, that was you know, Letitia just knew like I was gay. I was able to say like able to say he was gay and all that. So, of course, this caused severe bullying, including and I hate kids. <laughs> I love kids and I hate kids. But you kids remember can be horrible. Yeah. you remember the story, Mean Girls. <laughs> Um, the movie that came out. Well, they created a, a burn book. Um, one of the little girls at the school that uh, Letitia attended. And in the book, uh, they stated, quote unquote, that they wanted to kill Larry <laughs> in said book. Um, and a whole bunch of mean things. So to protect him, they transferred uh, uh, Letitia to EO Green Elementary. Um Around this time, now this is where I don't know what to say about his the adopted parents because, I, like, so Letitia reported basically that they weren't being fed, they were being hit, and things weren't so great with the adoptive parents. I tend to believe children when they say that. I don't know. If the RAD or the reactive um, attachment disorder informed him some way, I know RAD could cause kids to make accusations that are false because I've worked with that children who have RAD before. Um, but regardless, um, she was moved to a group home called Casa Pacifica. It was at this group home, you know, you really see the transition from. Lawrence to Letitia. She started to want to be called Letitia, um, started to wear women's clothing. Um, during at this this group home, they gave um a twenty no, a seventy-five dollar gift card to Target for like a Christmas present for the kids. And she bought heels. You know, and I I really feel like calling her she because it really just sounds better and it just honors, you know, she started to wear women's clothing, started to wear heels. I, you know, there was this transition, and I feel like this is where I'm probably going to use more of the she um, because she wanted to be called Letitia. Now, schools. we <laughs> Schools are another thing. So the school did not want to honor uh, Letitia's request to call, and you were talking about the dead naming? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did not want to honor Letitia's request to call be called Letitia and insisted on calling um, him Larry and school continued to be an issue um, they were a group of girls that accepted Letitia and welcomed her and were friends with her but for the most part you know he I mean she became more of a more of herself and in a big way I mean started wearing makeup like so I don't know if the adoptive home also was repressing all that because the minute she was away from the adoptive home she just fell into herself. Makeup, heels, women's clothing. Again, it not only caused an uproar with the students, but it also caused an uproar with the teachers. Some of the teachers were trying to find a way to stop Letitia from wearing what she wanted to wear, trying to use the school dress code as a reason. Uh, yeah. It's always legality. Like People, people are also <laughs> super into like rules and regulations when they want to stop people from doing things, but they live their lives willy-nilly. Right. 
Um, but because of the, I mean, this is now this is t- uh, t- uh, 2008, so they were had hate hate crime um, laws, so they couldn't use that as a reason to tell her to dress more masculine. So she continued to express herself the way she wanted to, and that was that. So to protect Letitia again, um, she was moved out of like. PE classes because again the school is having issues with Letitia and she's around young boys and these boys are just harassing her I I'm sure she had to change with the boys in the boys locker room and that was causing so taken out of PE class um to protect her um there was an openly gay uh vice principal her name was Mrs. Epstein I believe that's how I said who kind of became also a mentor to Letitia. Mm. Um, I know we don't know the extent of their relationship. Um, and I'm sure it was said in court, but as far as publications and things I read, they didn't put the extent of the relationship because she was protected by an attorney because they're trying to also blame, um, this vice principal, for part of the reason why Letitia ended up being murdered. Hmm. And I don't know if there was an encouragement to be more forward or, you know, embracing, and then they're going to try to change that and be like, it's your fault. So this could have been just a vice principal that was just really supportive of Letitia and her being herself and wearing what she wants and doing what she, you know, being herself and, for some reason, whatever discussions were had between Letitia and, you know, Mrs. Epstein are kind of protected. So you kind of don't know the extent of their relationship, but you do know that Letitia went to her often for support. Hmm. Uh, but also that started to cause resentment with the other teachers and um, Mrs. Epstein as well. Like, you're pushing this. So there was a lot of things going on in the background of the school. But there are just a few people that were, you know, supportive of Letitia. So meanwhile, in eighth grade, Letitia started to form her first crush on a boy named Brandon. Um, Brandon was, he didn't have a great background either. Long story short. Um, His parents were constantly arguing. Um, Mom was addicted to methamphetamine. Dad had shot his mom at one point during one of these arguments with a handgun. I mean, it it was it was bad. And despite, you know, dad shooting mom, when they did finally separate, Brandon ended up with his um with his father. Because mom was so heavy into the drugs. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't really a stable um you know household for Brandon either. Um he started to hang out with a group of quote-unquote troubled kids at the age of 12. Um, he also found an interest in Hitler. Oh, yikes. Right. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> that was one of his interests. So they had some mutual classes. Um, what happened was Letitia's grades started to drop, and so did Brandon. So they kind of ended up in the same um, eighth-grade English class. Um, with another professor, a teacher who was super supportive. We'll get to her later. Um, but 
this was around, you know, eighth grade. And they were playing a game where they would tell their crushes um, their Valentines. This is around Valentines 2018, I mean, 2008. Valentines 2008 that, you know, the girls would go up to their crushes and ask them to be their Valentines. Um, this included Letitia's friends as well. Um, Letitia decided to go up to Brandon and ask to be his Valentine's, but did so in front of his friends. So we're talking about social interactions. And off mic, Chanel and I were talking about how, you know, most people would probably not do that because we don't know how Brandon would react. Um, but when you have read, those social cues don't really come to, you know, your mind right. very quickly. And I think so this is a, I think this is actually a good point to bring up a couple of things really quick before I move on. Mm-hmm. So like you said, when you have um Lord, like I said, when you have a reactive attachment disorder, um you either you can be really like recluded and re- like and kind of um retreat into yourself and reject uh that nurturing side of, from any adult or yeah, the other yeah, you withdraw kind of into yourself and you know, you don't want to accept any any kind of love or compassion, affection from anybody else. Or the opposite could happen, where you have this overt and unabashed um, expression of affection for other people. Um, and especially if you have that paired with if he is if they've got ADHD and right. and they have poor social cues or right. any kind of social learning um, inhibitions. Or mm-hmm. what are a couple of things, impediments, words I'm mm-hmm. trying to use today. And then that makes for an issue. There is a chance that when you share who you are with people, that you're still met with anger, that you're still mm-hmm. met with violence. And as queer folks, usually, even younger ones, they understand that danger. Right. For Letitia to do this is incredibly bold. Right. So that's like that's I mean, let's I mean. put the painting the picture we're trying to paint here is that it is like lives literally depend on whether or not you can share who you are or not right in what spaces and not only did this but did this in front of Brandon's friends right publicly yeah so um later on that day Brandon passed one of Letitia's friends in the hallway and said to her say goodbye to Larry but. She didn't take it as a threat. She didn't take it, you know, I mean, she didn't take it seriously. Um, Acknowledged that it was a threat, but didn't think anything was going to happen. On February February 11, 2008, there was rumored to be a fight between Larry and Brandon, but no one witnessed it. Um, But whatever happened the day before, so the the playground thing was uh, February 10th. February 11th, there was rumored to be a fight, but no one witnessed it. No one knew what happened. But whatever happened that day, the next day, Letitia came in completely different than her normal self. So was in male clothes, um, no makeup, no high heels that she was so proud that she had brought from this group home. None of that. Um, she came in, I heard, like, or I read in regular like, sneakers, literal sweats. Um, she gave the excuse saying that she ran out of makeup and the heels gave her blisters. So, which we find out that both of these things are false. 
She quietly entered her first period class, um, but she just seemed distressed. She reported that she didn't sleep the night before, reported that she threw up her breakfast, just seemed very nervous. I don't know if maybe the rejection and or the threats maybe started to go around the day before. I think if I, like, I remember, like you said, this case was pretty big. Like, I remember when this was blowing up, like being a young queer person, mm-hmm. um, like you're going to hear about stories of people that are like you that are being targeted or hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I would assume is happening is that in between, like you said, between the February 11th and February 12th, mm-hmm. that the threats were very much known. I think that yeah. Brandon or Brandon's friends had accosted a Letitia at some point mm-hmm. and let them know, like, we're, we're going to handle you. Like, right. we're going to hurt you. We're going to harm you in some way. And so what I interpret this as is anxiety, like in, in, intense anxiety, mm-hmm. where one, you're puking. So that's a sign, right? right? You're nervous. But also trying to divorce yourself from who you are, the thing that causes people that much anger so far that you go completely different and wear male clothes. You don't wear your heels. You don't wear your makeup. And so like, I see that as protective and reactive, but like, that's just me. Right. Right. No, I, I completely counselor yet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No. And I agree with you. I I feel like that might've been what happened. The, the rumors really came about and, um, spooked Letitia so started to withdraw um so she entered her first period English class which was the class that Brandon was also in the teacher was Mrs. Uh, Baldwin I think I'm saying that around the teacher was this was the other teacher that was uh, super supportive of Letitia and didn't notice the change hmm. um in the behavior but the class started at eight o'clock um they went to the computer lab that day because um, their assignments required them to write a paper. Uh, Brendan had stated that he finished his paper, so he was reading a history book. Um, but as he was reading the book, Brendan kept looking over at Letitia. Looking over at Letitia. Read the book, look over at Letitia. 30 minutes in, after the class had started... Brandon pulled a handgun out of his bag, which he was able to sneak into the school, and shot Letitia in the head. The professor, or the teacher, I always say professor because college. <laughs> the teacher screamed, what the hell are you doing? Um, but that didn't stop Brandon from shooting Letitia again. In the middle of class, uh in front of everybody, broad daylight. He calmly tossed the gun on the floor and walked out of the class. Brandon was arrested immediately. And Letitia, who suffered major brain damage and was on life support, died two days later. July 24, 2008, um, uh, Brandon would uh stand trial as an adult so that's when they decided that he will strain uh stand trial as an adult remember he is 15 years old but again the murder happened in broad daylight in front of everybody probably traumatizing all those children um there were lots of delays with this case there was change in venues um and it wasn't until august 26 2011 
um, that the first trial was over, but it ended in a mistrial because apparently the jury was split. Mm. I don't know what the hell you're split about. I'm sorry. <laughs> this kid killed another kid in broad daylight because, because he was being hit on. So you think the excuse for this kid is that, okay, because this kid was being hit on, I can't say it's this kid's fault. Like what, what are you see? This is, um, this is something that you would call like the gay panic defense. Yeah. And that's what they used. Right. Where it's like the, the insinuation that someone that you're not attracted to, but that person is attracted to you wanting to engage with you in any romantic or sexual way is so violently disconcerting to you. Right. That the only way that you can respond is with equal violence. Right. Which is what they stated and what... Which is irrational. You know what? That doesn't exist. (laughs) Because men hit on women. Right. Thank you. All the time. And women do not murder men. And on top of it, when they get rejected, they feel the need to murder said women as well. Men react so violently. So you know what? (laughs) <laughs> maybe so. it's something inherently masculine that needs to change because this is all bullshit somebody okay. hits on you you say no and and that okay but i will say this yes and this is not me defending any murderer or whatever however knowing when i meet young kids when i meet young kids who have such visceral reactions to any kind of same-sex like affection interactions like the people who don't want to hug their friends you know things like that um there could be a chance um that in the in their in their history in their past that there had been some sort of unwanted contact physically with a male person in their history and so they are hyper vigilant against that but i'm not using that as a as a defense for him i'm just saying that those things could happen if he had a life that was so wild that his dad was shooting his mama and right. his mom was hooked on meth. Like right. There's there's Possible. a lot of things that happen in a drug-addicted home that people don't think happen right. just because they're not spoken about. So, right. But his that defense is trash. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, so on November 21st, 2011, um, during the second trial, so they went to trial again, Brandon pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 21 years. Um, he started off at a juvenile detention and then was transferred when he was 18. He is currently serving at California Correctional Center. So he's still there. Where he should stay. Yeah. And that, I mean, again, sorry with the pronouns in this case. I feel like her was the right one, but reading the case was a lot of him. Right. And the they, them was very difficult. So. Yeah, I that was my fault. I told D. D. had asked me again. I'm not an expert. However, I know when I'm unsure. When I meet someone who I'm aware of their transness, but I'm not sure what their pronouns are. Like I'm not saying that I guess. I'm talking about like when I know someone said, "Oh yeah, they're trans" or something. Like a friend let me know or whatever. I always use the word they, or I just reference them by name. Like I never, like I never try to pick. And then you do mess up because if someone looks a certain way it happens but your intent should always be to be respectful and people understand when you're trying your hardest to say them be the right thing and you mess up because i have done it in the past with friends or people i've just met and apologize profusely afterward and they're like it's not a big deal like i know you're trying but please try harder 
<laughs> well, that's how so, I feel with this case. Be. I feel like it was definitely a her situation. I think even mentally I practiced it as a her. But I actually started out with the case. So I started out with saying him because that was it in the beginning. And then when she decided to be Letitia, I just went to her. <laughs> but I was like, that's super confusing. So I, I just didn't know how to do it because... Gender is just fun. Yeah, and she was just coming to be, I feel. And, you know, this is how her first crush ended her. Like, this was her first crush. So, you know, for all the guys that I went up to, brazened, um, you know, I don't have to suffer that same faith. And that was definitely, I was I was Letitia. I was going up to the guys trying to shoot my shot all the time. Yeah, but the, the context is that you yeah. were not. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't, I don't have to fear that. I didn't have to feel my life. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, and it's a thing. Um, it's the reason why there's a lot of like queer and trans folks do not. They when people say, "Yo, you can go out there. There's so many fish in the sea." There are so many layers of mm-hmm. of self preservation to that. Where once again, uh, this kind of comes in the context uh, in the context of this case where people. When people think of trans people being murdered for whatever reason, they think of someone finding out they're trans in the midst of some sexual tryst and then violently killing them. That's typically not how that happens. Overwhelmingly, trans people disclose their identity because their lives literally depend on it. And so the safety of online dating, you can tell people that, hey, this is who I am. If they don't like it, they're on the other side of a screen miles away. You're safe. You know, so it's a it's such a oh man, such an annoying place to be, um, and it's so it is tragic and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, but my hope is that I said my hope, and then my heart was like no. But my hope is <laughs> my hope is that you know maybe not in my lifetime, and I'm all right with that. But that queer and trans folks can exist without people wanting them dead. I I don't I've never understand the existence of or like people who are so committed to destroying somebody's life for something that does not involve them at all. Well, we could definitely talk about that towards the end because I feel like that's going to come up. Yeah. Um like reactions and yeah. how things work. Uh so my case we we each have two. Even though, like, I feel like it's gonna fit well. I hope. Um, <laughs> I'm talking time wise. Well, my, I mean, we're, we'll like, make it work. We'll Listen. make it work. You get a longer episode. Is what you're gonna get. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so my my case is we're gonna talk uh, about a young uh, trans girl. Every article referred to her as a woman, and she is not because she is underage. Um, she's a young girl. So on June 25th of 2020. Uh, the body of a teenager was found in a car parked on a walking path in Sherwood, Arkansas. Um, that body was 17-year-old Brayla Stone. Um, and like I said, while news articles kind of misgendered Brayla, her family also misgendered her mm-hmm. uh, several times in they every article I was reading. And, I mean, we... Brayla <laughs> was a black trans woman, and I can have conversations all day about black folks in their relationship with uh other sexualities and gender expressions all day but again we don't have the energy or the time today um however while misgendering you know while misgendering brayla they had very 
clearly they had love. Like, it's such a weird, because I've experienced that myself, where people, you know they care about you, and they're trying their, they're not trying their best, because if they tried their best, they could do it. But they're trying the best to, again, preserve their own convictions and feelings about things that directly contradict, you know, who you are. Because what happens is that they have an idea. I grew up in a very religious family. Southern Black folks tend to be very religious. And they have an idea of who queer and trans people are. They see they see them as, like, these sinners and deviants and things like that. But then they meet you, and they know you, and they love you, and you're nothing like those things. And so it's it's they're trying their best to preserve themselves. However, like I said, they have very nice things to say about Brayla. Uh, they called her fun-loving. She was generous. Um, they'd say that... They're going to remind her, remember her as being loving. I'm, I'm obviously switching the, the pronouns here. As loving, kind-hearted, um, and as a, a super giving person, someone said that she split everything she had with them. She didn't even have to ask. She would just do it. You know, so like that's the type of person uh, that Brayla was. And so much so that close to almost 100 folks, family members, uh, supporters from the area, uh, came through at a vigil at the First Presbyterian Church in Little Rock. They lit candles. They had draped a trans flag over the little memorial just to, you know, signify that she was, you know, like a sister. And which I thought was awesome. And they had the the Black Trans Lives Matter, very right, because right now it's happening. This happened this year, guys. In the in the scope of everything that's going on, mm-hmm. um, all Black lives do matter. Oh, they do I have, to, I have to emphasize the awe because you, you talk to people and they'll be like, well, it falls under. Like, no, no, we have to specify. Um, but also not long after uh, Brayla's body was found, someone claiming to be Brayla's killer started posting on Instagram. Um, the video is now down, but there was a pile of $100 bills on a bed uh, with 5K written over it. You know how Instagram videos look. You can put things on it. Right. And someone commented, oh, what happened? Like, where'd you get this money from? And he responded, I zipped him for 5K. Money was well spent. And so that poster ended up being Trevon Hayes Miller. And he would end up eventually getting arrested on a charge of capital murder and tampering with evidence uh, once they did some research and investigations into things. What was shocking to me, though, was this wasn't the first time Trevon Miller had been caught up on murder charges. So this is, yeah, I was like, what? So I Why 14- is he posting online? Like... People are people are I hate I'm, this generation so much. I'm telling you, people are people are also so braggadocious that What's wrong? like you gotta show that's how you get robbed as well, but whatever. Right. Um but when he's fourteen years old, he and two of his friends were arrested and charged with murder and aggravated robbery, uh, when he shot and killed Brian Thompson, seventeen years old, in a rec center parking lot in twenty sixteen. He ended up pleading out, um, promising uh, his testimony against his friends. And so his capital murder charge was thrown out. The case shifted from adult uh, court to juvenile court. And he was only charged with the aggravated robbery. And so that's how he was still out and about at 18 years old, doing mm. what he was doing. So like, this is, so the, the context of this was that he implies that somebody had paid him to kill Brayla. And I looked so hard, and this is the problem when when trans folks get killed, is that there's always very little information mm-hmm. surrounding what's happening, mm-hmm. and there's usually no there's no preface, there's no there's no history, there's no like they had never met before this moment, 
So it, it is a it is just an odd uh, space to be in, and once again, tragic violence for absolutely no reason, which it all boils down to no reason other than Brayla being Brayla, right? Right? She was a gorgeous young girl and snuffed out way too early. Hmm. I guess it's my turn. <laughs> it is. Uh, all right. Well, this is not like Letitia King's story. This is a shorter story because most of the time, like you said, there's not much said about it. It's just like, oh, the person's dead and this is what happens and this is the person who went to jail. Maybe there's follow-up and maybe there isn't. But my case is about Raylan Thomas. Um, On August 10th, 2016, while watching TV at her mother's house, her mother's ex-boyfriend came out of the room um, and shot Raylan multiple times and then also beat her. Um, it was known that this man had issues with, his name was John, James Bird. It was known that James, um, the mother's ex-boyfriend, was transphobic. Um, he would often call Ray, uh, Raylan a devil during the murder, called her a devil, um, just, you know, anyways, was the mom's ex, was the mo- was still living in at the mom's house and just shot, um, Raylan. Um, so James was arrested, of course, for the murder, having the mom having witnessed, um, the murder and this trial started, but he was deemed incompetent in December um, of 2016 to stand trial. So I don't know why he was deemed incompetent, but apparently he doesn't understand what he did, the nature of what he did, and why he's standing trial. That's what the conclusion is. So he's currently getting treatment for mental health issues. Um, they also refuse to try this case as a hate crime, although we know the person is transphobic. Definitely didn't like transgender people at all. Um, but, you know, Ray Lynn, who was 5'5 and 150 pound, um, was murdered by this man who was double the size and like six feet tall. Wait. The problem with hate crime, uh, especially legislation, like when these laws are passed, is so often there is, what do you want to call it, like fine print, where the motivation has to be proven to be that, like that bigotry, that hate. And the fact that mom was there, witnessed um, James calling, I'm losing her name again. What was her James name? James Raylan. Raylan, there we go. <laughs> uh, called Raylan a devil while assaulting her and essentially killing her, I think connects, especially if that's what he would call her in any other context. Right. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention again, I wouldn't, we wouldn't be, what did you do if we didn't talk about sociological pieces? Right. Is that as a black man, I can speak to this specifically that as like in black maleness, there is an obsession unhealthy obsession almost with masculinity and how it's presented and how it's performed and how it's expressed and how people react to it. Um, And anything that seems contrarian to, or contrary to that 
idea or those values or those dynamics is seen as dangerous. And so, so often you'll see people who are living their truth, living their life, minding their own business and being happy doing that, Mm -hmm. being seen as these violent beings just by existing. Mm-hmm. And it frustrates people and it aggravates people because it seems like it's a slight to them. Like there's something about you that makes me look bad or feel bad now because you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be this and that. Mm-hmm. And anything that is ascribed to femininity is seen as weakness. And therefore you owning that and taking agency in that is dangerous to me. I have right. to preserve myself and my blackness and my male. It's this whole thing. And it's the most frustrating thing to ever experience because it's not helpful and so it is the most it is so annoying as a queer person growing up in a super religious black family like i have uncles who don't go to church who have said really stupid things have since come around but have said stupid things thinking they've said it in love um i have trans family members who i've had to advocate for and protect at family gatherings because people are stupid so it's just like i can only imagine how they feel because i know how i felt it has to be like 10 times worse so like these things happen so often right and like what can you do you know i'm sure that raylan couldn't just leave that's the other thing that faces trans people is that they they disproportionately are affected by poverty right you know and all these things so it's like don't get me started i mean raylan was 28 at the time of her death so i mean you know probably had trouble finding employment because of who she was exactly um although you know (laughs) I don't know. She had transitioned like 10 years earlier and like you said, was living her life. I mean, this is, you know, you came in. It's not like James came into this and then all of a sudden there was a trans. Like you came in knowing that she was transgender because they weren't together that long. Right. I also want to point out, guys, like this, this goes for everybody. If you like or love gay or trans folks, how... Like how do you how do you find yourself dating homophobes and transphobes? Like it is one of those things where we've experienced it in college where you had a friend who showed up to every GSA meeting and you know always showed up to every event and was draped in rainbow flags, and then you meet their boyfriend and they're rude and disrespectful and homophobic. Like how did you do this and why are you doing that? <laughs> I have a story about this where I I. I won't even say dated because it ended up... I have a very low tolerance for male bullshit and masculine bullshit and, you know, the homophobia, the transphobia. So, of course, I went on one date-ish, started talking to a Jamaican. (laughs) And if you don't know about Jamaican culture, very transphobic, very homophobic. And I believe homosexuality is... um, illegal down there still um so you you can't same-sex marriage or same-sex relationships are forbidden down there in jamaica um let's just say the day we had the conversation because i have lots of friends who identify as queer lesbian but I, i just have many friends and i i'm very protective of my friends and the minute he had this conversation he was kicked out of my house never talked to him again it's the way to do it. He literally was like trying to come one day. I was like, you come to my house. I'm calling the cops. <laughs> like it was real. <laughs> like he was trying to come by and talk. I was like, no, fuck no. Like, no, no. to talk about. No, there's nothing to talk about. Thing. But this what was like crazy was death. I had one of my friends who identified as queer tell me like, why didn't you give him a chance? No, 
<laughs> no, I'm not giving him a chance. Absolutely fucking not. You should ask me that. You identify as like in the LGBT. Like, don't ask me that. Are you crazy? <laughs> like, I would never, ever give this person a chance. Never. I mean, the other thing, too, is that for me, I mean, I'm not heterosexual. I mean, who sounds ghetto to me? But <laughs> it can I... <laughs> be. Your post <laughs> talking about other heteros are okay. I'm like, no, nigga, we're not. It just seems like it just seems so it's, it's tragic. I don't know. It seems like a headache. <laughs> I don't know who would ever want to do that. Who would choose that life? But for me, it would just be like when you have kids, you yep. know, like how mm-hmm. like you don't get control over what your kid ends up being so if you're just you're just so far behind the curve Mm -hmm. when you your kid presents that to you that Mm -hmm. they're gonna despise you you i can't imagine marrying a man that could potentially murder my kid for identifying as anything but heterosexual i i can't do it or not even just that in any way harm like emotionally financially like you know Mm -hmm. neglect or abuse Someone simply because of who it's just blows my mind, but that's not what this episode is straight about. Straight dating, listen, straight dating is ghetto. Um, I've had to dead many people for the things that they say, and that's what it is. Right. That's why I don't. That's why I stay by myself. You guys are so. You guys are <laughs> linking up and legally binding yourselves. I'm to people. happy I'm with like, you guys the partner are out of control. I have now for accepting everybody the way they are, and that's all. I will just observe everyone else's marriages. <laughs> I'm very happy with my situation because had it been anybody else and you know I was very fearful because my husband now is very Christian <laughs> so I was like but that's not his brand of Christianity I mean uh, I'm also hating, very huh? Christian so I was like I'm also very Christian yeah but there's two sides of the tracks it could have been the other side when you're a hetero and you're Christian that's a different story yeah, dangerous okay. yeah right so, so I didn't know how that was going to turn out I'm glad it turned out okay. Because that was so, be far. so far. So far, right? <laughs> Stop. Cody, we like you. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, if he's listening, we like you. Um, my case, yeah. my, <laughs> I know he's in he's in the house. So, <laughs> But um, anyway, my case is Mercy Mac. Uh, on June 30th, again, both of these are from this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, at around 5 a.m., residents at... Uh, outside of a apartment complex in Dallas, Texas, heard gunshots ring out. In around 6.15, a passerby discovered 22-year-old Mercy Mack unconscious in the parking lot, suffering from what looked like a gunshot wound to the head. Uh, she would later be pronounced dead at the scene. So this is, this is where we're going to talk about a little bit of sociological standpoint coming first. But however, I just want to, because... There's not a lot of information. I do want to highlight the great things that her family and friends said about her because she was not misgendered by her family and friends. Um, she was actually celebrated, and it hit and it hit my heart really well because queer people love their nieces and nephews. Trans right. queer, like there's just something about uh, we can go into deep psychological things, but we just love them. Like we love little kids who love on us, um, and so her family and friends described her as upbeat, and the word they used was doted. Uh, on her niece and her ne- and her nephews, and I want to say her sister uh, Taisha Rickett said this that that's the kind of auntie she was. Like I don't care what your mama said. Come get in the car. Let's go get ice cream. I'ma take care of you. Mm-hmm. Like that is if that's not your gay uncle or you know queer uncle or trans whatever. Right. Like that's that's my job. Like I'm the person who like scoops kids up and scolds them. But but like she she showed out and showed up when she needed to. 
Um, and so her friend said that she was outspoken, generous, funny, and that she clearly should still be here with us. And so we're going to go into a little bit about what happened. Again, we don't know all the details. However, through a tip and some witness reports, they were able to zero in on a suspect, uh, one Angelo uh, Walker. And on July 8th of this year, he was arrested for the murder of Mercy, Mar- Mercy Mack. I'm sorry. And so what what the witness had said actually was that a wit that they had saw Angelo chasing Mercy through the parking Mercy yeah I said her name right through the parking lot and shooting at her hitting her and causing her to fall and then would stand over her and shoot her several more times before he fled. It was also said that prior to the murder and this chase and killing that the two had been arguing about a video of the two of them that Mercy was in possession of. And I guess I had intended to share it with other people. There's no clue, no context, no idea of what was on, what the, was video. on the video. Yeah. And we don't know truly what their relationship to each other was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we know that whatever it is, again, it doesn't take much. We've seen this. Um, was enough for him to justify in his head to murder another person. Right. And what I wanted to talk about specifically is now understanding sexuality and gender and the confusion that comes with it. So, but there's also this, that there, there is a, a population of men who find themselves attracted to trans women because they're incredible. right? Right. And like I said earlier in the episode that the overwhelming majority of trans people disclose who they are. And there are so many, if you watch Pose, like I'm, like Dee was talking about, there are so many instances where there are people who are secretly involved or intimately engaging with trans folks, but don't want that to be made public. Mm-hmm. Because of the shame that they feel is attached to it, that what people would think about them, their status of in community and in the relationships and family would be uh, essentially destroyed. Right. And so, so often you will see intimate partner violence with whoever is this, like, it's, you know, this hiding, I don't want to call them closeted, um, because I feel like there's a better word for it, person um, who then needs to overreact because they see them as this overwhelming threat to their well being or their livelihood. And so if I had to guess of the context of there, there's a video. It didn't even have to be like a sexual video. It could be one of those cute little Instagram videos that you take when you're with someone that you care about. You know, it could be like a smile or he gave her a kiss or something like, you know, something that would have said that there was romance or intimacy there that maybe in the midst of our heat of an argument, she threatened him with. You don't know. But again, it's not enough to kill somebody. It's enough to be upset. Right. You know, especially if you're, you know, sneaking around, you know, with someone who's living their truth and you're afraid to live yours or just openly and embrace her. So I'll say this, cis folks, if you don't want to like openly love and date someone, if you're not comfortable doing that, uh, dating someone who is trans, then just don't do it. Right. Thank you. Just once once you. you find out, leave it alone. People aren't obligated to disclose their identity to you when you hit on them in their mind and their business, which I've mm-hmm. seen happen. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, "Oh, you real pretty," and like when you engage, most people are going to say thank you, and the conversations start, you know. Right. But after that, after all the disclosures and things like that, that's up to you to be able to be mature enough to own what you're doing and respect the person, the other person enough to be honest with them and people around them. 
So mm-hmm. it's it's just one of the most frustrating things ever. I, I, I my niece would say I hate it here. Yeah, <laughs> she would just yeah. whenever she dislikes anything, she's like, I hate it here. I say the same thing. <laughs> and I'm like Jaden, me too, me too. Absolutely can't stand. But so it's what we got that being said, here's what I'm saying because we're at the that was the last story. As a cis hetero woman, my existence has never been threatened or bothered by other people's existence. I don't know why it is so for other people. Who other people love ain't my business. Who other people sleep with ain't my business. And to be honest, I want to see people be happy. <laughs> Facts. With whoever they're going to be happy with. Because life is fucking hard. Look at this world right now that we live in. Um, look at the pandemic. If you find anyone to love you <laughs> right now and they're an amazing person, love whoever the fuck you want. I was saying my, me being an ally, I, I'm not satisfied with myself because, you know, I was really into it in high school and I've kind of dropped down, but my feelings have never changed. I never understood how other people feel threatened by other people's existence. You could say God, blah, 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 but A, God didn't ask you to carry out anything in his name. Two, that's between the person and God. So whatever happens at the end of their life, if they answer or not, because honestly, we don't know. I ain't God. I'm not speaking for him. That ain't my business. Whatever interpretation of the Bible that you decide to put on it to justify your bullshit, honestly, God didn't actually do that. We're not called to that. That's not your, that's not your, so I don't know what it is it, it is about people's existence that bothers people so much. And I will never understand, but let people exist and let people ha- be happy because all I want for my neighbors is for them to be happy. That's it. Love whoever the fuck you want to love. Life is too fucking short. Live life the way you want to because life is a struggle. So that's all I got. Because it, it bothers me to no end that people can't let other people exist. <clears throat> and like you said, don't love on somebody you're not ready to or mature enough to love up on. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't do I, it. I will amen that. I, um, I, what I've I, always felt strongly. Oh, as have I. What I also wanted to say was, I realized we used the word cisgender a few times. I didn't oh, um, clarify it. that. But also, <laughs> like, if you if I explain what transgender meant, cisgender would, I would assume you would think would be the opposite. Um, but that's just me. No, being just pedantic. explain it before somebody thinks I'm like identifying right. as something. Oh, I'm not no darn cisgender. I'm a man. I'm like, I've always been a man. It's like, yeah, that's what it means. Um, it just means that you identify as the. The, uh, the sex you were born. assigned at yeah. birth. Yeah. Um, that's all it means. It means that if you are if you're born a male and you identify as a male, that means you're cisgender. Cisgender uh, comes from the root. It's Latin. It just means on this side of. In trans, the Latin root means on the other side of or across from. So okay, that's education. What, right. I didn't I've know read that. I've read up stuff before, and my again I've been <laughs> queer a long time. Like it's just so if you need to picture it, it, just means cis is like one side of the road, trans is on the other side of the road. But y'all all are on the same road. We all going through this crappy world and life together. together. Like let but people <laughs> be happy. Let people. I want to see all my friends be happy. I don't give a fuck who they're with. I ain't in the bed with them, so it ain't my business. Like why is this your business? Why is this your business? It is. It is because they make it. But I I understand, and so yeah. I'm I'm glad that we took some time to highlight some issues, um, and highlight 
some people who were d- taken from the world way too soon right. for reasons that don't make any sense. Um, most, I mean, uh, not all mur- like all murders don't make sense, but mm-hmm. it's <sighs> for things that are so. Like you, you said something. You said you know, love who you want to love. It's like or be whatever you want to be. It's I, I would even submit to you that you be whoever you need to be, right? Yeah, because like there's the, the secrets are what makes you sick. We talk right. about that forever, and you repressing yourself is only going to do damage. We, we how many how many killers have we covered on this show right. that tried to hide who they, who are. they were, and it does nothing but explode later on. Yeah, so absolutely. there's. So allow people the, the grace and the space to do the things they need to do to be who they are. Um. So I do want to, I didn't get to say this, but I do want to talk about Raylan's um, last words. Because again, humans are humans. So remember, she was murdered in front of her mother. And I kind of wanted to end the episode on this. And then we could go into, you know, where to find us. Um, Raylan's last words were, Mama, I love you. Tell my sister and my brother I love them. Tell my family I love them. Mama, I'm dying. I'm dying. Please don't leave me. That was her last words before she passed away. So remember when you're murdering people, you're murdering humans. Just don't murder people. Like that too? Yeah. (laughs) We never, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) <laughs> so where can people find you on the internet if they were looking if they wanted to if they thought about it ah <laughs> uh, you could find me on the instagrams you could find me on the twitters at underscore d underscore isa i swear i'm not gonna change it again that is what it is see all the pretty pictures see my blackness because i'm black um on those places and spaces where could they find you uh you can find me on twitter instagram uh, Snapchat sometimes, I guess. Um, if you want to follow my fitness journey. Yeah, I was going to say, you're on um, Snapchat talking about I'm at spin class. Look at on me. Instagram. I was on Being Instagram. I, haven't, I didn't snap that. You're no, a liar. I thought it was so cool. Wow. <laughs> Don't get on lie on me. I, but you can find me all of those places at Charnel B. It's, it'll be in the show notes. Um, you can follow the podcast at What Did You Do Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Join the crew on Facebook. It's always a lot of fun. Um, like us on Facebook. Check out the website. We're updating it right now. I'm just waiting on D to send me the uh, the I updated didn't. bio that she sent. No, uh, but picture. I don't picture and, and bio if you I wanted guess. to change yeah. it. I have to, yeah. like, I'm not taking out my hair tonight, so I'm, I'll figure out your picture tomorrow. No, just give me a, a, a recent photo. Don't have you to think since today. pandemic I've taken a photo? That doesn't matter. I, you want the one in my bonnet with my stepdaughter? Like <laughs> That works. That's what it takes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, next episode will be the start of the heart case. Uh, once again, give a little bit of grace for that because I'm not sure that I'm ready for it. However, <laughs> we're going to do it Yeah, because I think it deserves a lot, uh, a, a better treatment than what it's gotten from what I've heard and what I've seen. And I think what's really missing from it is true compassion and heart. I think it's been this very sterile conversation about these two women who murdered six kids and everything seems to be very flat. um, Yeah, abused and killed six kids. Destroyed six kids. Absolutely. Who were already at, who dealt a crappy hand. Right. Um, So 
I think that we are being able to bring in what the foster care system looks like, what the adaptive uh, system looks like, as well as the effects of abuse on people. And so it's going to be a very interesting uh, case. So until then, uh, take care of yourselves. Be kind to each other. Please, the pandemic is still happening. Wash your hand, wear a mask. Um, if you don't wear a mask, we don't like you. No, I, just, I, I, I always second that. Like, I don't got time. The reason why I'm still inside is because half of y'all won't wear a mask. So. Just protect yourself. Think about your neighbors. Think about your friends. Think about your family members. Mm-hmm. And the sooner we all get our act together, the sooner we can all go back outside and enjoy ourselves. Because I'll tell you what, I'm mad I'm not going to go on any haunted hayrides this year. And I blame y'all. So <laughs> take care of yourselves and be well. Bye, people.